Thank you for listening to the Reclaim Church podcast. We hope that this message is a blessing to your life. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX. Now please enjoy this message. And we're in a, in a, in a series, somewhat of a series called Temples. And uh, last week I, 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 I preached on the, the, the story of King David wanting to build a temple for the Lord. The Lord tells King David, no, um, your son's going to build it. And today, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about his response. Arthur's with me. He's, he's saying amen. He's cheering me on. But we're going to talk about D- King David's response to the Lord and how that reflects in our, or how it should reflect in our life. But before I get there, I do want to pray. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's holy, that it's, that it's true, and that it's strong. Father, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Help me to, to preach, God. I can only preach by your grace and by your power. So, Lord, I pray that you'd be with me, God. Give me supernatural strength to preach your message, God. I pray, Lord, that I would not preach my own thoughts or my opinions, God, or even the thoughts and opinions of the world. But, Lord, I pray that I would be sensitive to your voice, God, that I would be led by your spirit and founded upon your word, God, that every word that I say would be inspired by you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. So today's message is entitled Temples of Gratitude. And David, when, when, when God tells David no, so this is a story if you don't know what's going on. Um, Genesis chapter 7, David's kind of coming to the tail end of his life and, and God is, it has given him rest from all of his enemies. He no longer has to battle anybody. God has given him complete rest. And in this moment of rest, David has this, uh, this desire and this dream to build God a temple. So he tells the prophet, he says, I, 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 I want, I, God is in this house, he, or he's in this tent, and I'm in a, in, a, in a kingdom or in a house made out of cedar, <clears throat> basically saying, how can I be in a better spot than the presence of God? So the prophet tells him, go and do what's in your heart. And what was in the heart of David was to build this temple for the Lord. And in this, in this time in chapter 7, after he talks to the prophet, the Lord speaks to the prophet. And he says, tell David, basically, no, that I know that you, you want to build this temple, but I'm telling you, no, your son's going to build. And the reason was because David was a man of war, so there was blood on his hands. So God said, I can't have you make this temple. You cannot build this temple. So your son will build it. And then David's response is where we're going to start in Scripture today. And this is David's response to the, to the, to the answer from the Lord in Gen- or 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18 through 22. It says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. So David is giving praise to the Lord. He has this response of gratitude. So God told David no, but then he tells David, I'm going to build you a house or a legacy. And David's response to the answer from the Lord is worship and thankfulness. He's basically saying, Lord, I know that what you're giving to me is not necessarily what I asked for. 
But either way, I'm going to give you what you deserve, which is worship and thankfulness. David didn't complain. He didn't try to convince God to give him something else. The answer, to the, the response of David to God's answer was gratitude. It was thankfulness. Lord, I'm thankful that you have given me what I don't deserve. He's telling the Lord, I'm thankful for the promise that you're giving me. Now, what was the promise? Again, we talked about this last week. The promise was an eternal kingdom. The Lord was establishing the kingdom of God through the lineage of David. We all know that comes down to Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the king of kings, right? The eternal kingdom. We talk about it all the time. This was the promise of God. Now, how does this reflect us? And what does this have to do with us today? The truth is, is that we are recipients of the promise. That God promised directly to David, but we are reaping the benefits of the goodness of God to David. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're no longer an outcast. You're no longer not welcomed in. You're no longer kicked out of the presence of God. But because of the promise, we are now grafted into this family of God. And so we are recip direct recipients of the promise that God gave David because of God's goodness. We are blessed by this promise. We receive this promise. There, this is not just a promise for today, but this is an eternal promise. Now again, we talked about this a lot last week. I would encourage you, if you want to catch up, go listen to the podcast. But, but we, 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 too often are we so focused on today, on the earth today. It says, the scripture says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. So when we were strangers and foreigners of the kingdom, we were what? Citizens of the world. But when we come to Christ, he's saying, you are no longer strangers and foreigners of the kingdom, but are now citizens of the kingdom. So what does that make us? Strangers and foreigners of the world. But we forget sometimes, and when I say we, I really mean we, because I'm talking about myself too, okay? We forget sometimes that there is eternity ahead of us. And we're living for today, but there is an eternal promise from God. Listen, guys, can I tell you something? Newsflash, breaking news, okay? You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I, yes? I, I will, I will pass, I'll skip it. Are you ready? I just want to hear. We got to talk back a little bit today, okay? Come on. Come on. I need some help. Listen, Jesus, and again, this is going to sound crazy. Jesus is coming back. He, and, and I know, I know, yeah, yeah, like we celebrate that and like, yeah, but, but, but the reality of it is Jesus is coming back. And are you ready? Are we living like there is heaven ahead of us? Or are we trying to build our own little piece of heaven right here on earth? 
I'm getting off my notes. I got to stay focused today, <laughs> all right? But this is an eternal promise. And so our response to the eternal promise of God should be gratitude, thankfulness, and worship. This should be not just on Sundays. Oh, God, I thank you on Sunday, Lord. You're so good to me. And then we, all we do is complain about our job and complain about our family. Some of us, not all of us, right? Complain about, you know, the neighbors. and uh, Right, right, right? No, 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 no. Our gratitude should be lived out every single day of our life because we're not just saved on Sunday, right? I'm saved Monday. Well, I don't know. Some of us, might, you, know, got, you, you know, you get those rough weeks where you're like, I don't really feel like a Christian on Monday, right? I, I'm, I'm by myself in that one? Okay, well, somebody else better get up here and preach then because, no, I'm kidding. Some, no, don't, please don't. That would be really awkward. But this gratitude, should be lived out in our lives every single day. By the way we treat people. I'm going to say it again. By the way we treat people. You know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure of the scripture. And the Lord, I was, reading, I was reading my Bible, right? We should be reading our Bibles from time to time, right? Amen. I was reading my Bible and um, like, Lord, just speak to me, God. Can you just show me something? And I'm reading, and there's this scripture, and it, it basically says this, and, and I'll find it if, if you're curious, you could always Google it, but there's the scripture, and it basically says that the Lord will not hear of prayers, the prayers of a husband based if he treats his wife badly. I, I need to hear that. I need to sit down. <laughs> Amen to that, right? Like, and I, remember, I, I read that scripture and I was like, nah, God, I'm going to skip that one over because you should be hearing my prayers all the time because you're a good God, right? But he, he, he was showing me that the way we treat people is it has a direct effect on the way he treats us. Again, I've got to stay on my notes. Babe, you should be glad the Lord told me that because I was like, man. I'm like, yes, Lord, I'll treat her right, God. Please just don't ignore me. But our gratitude should be lived out every single day. How we treat people, how we talk to people, how we live, what we watch, what we listen to, where we go, how we spend, how we spend, how we spend. Our gratitude should be lived out in our daily life. But, again, when I say, when I say we... I'm probably just talking about me, but I don't want to feel bad about myself, so I include all of us. But sometimes, we're, we're just flat out not grateful. Just, just, just straight up, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, just straight up. Like, I'm just, we're just sometimes just not grateful. I just, you know, like, God, why do I have to live here? God, why do I have to work here? We're just not grateful. So I began to think about this, and the question I had was, well, what hinders gratitude? David was grateful for anything from God. But what hinders gratitude? The thief of gratitude. This is a good one, okay? I promise. You're gonna, you should write this down. 
The thief of gratitude is comparison. What steals our gratitude is when we compare to somebody else. I got to stay on my notes or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go real far off the rails here. This is, there's a pastor, his name's Craig Groeschel. I'm sure you've heard of him, wonderful leadership stuff. He has this quote. He says, the fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 through 5. I'm reading out of the Message Bible, okay? It's okay. It's just one scripture, all right? Make a, careful, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. In other words, mind your business. Don't be impressed. It doesn't say don't be impressed with others. It says don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. Amen. Is that good? We cannot be grateful when we're consistently, constantly comparing ourselves to somebody else. While I wish my husband would act like that. I wish my wife would act like that. I wish I had that house. I wish I had that car. I wish I had that job. I wish I had their finances. I wish I had their situation, right? And we constantly, consistently compare. And the Bible's saying, mind your own business. Find what God has called you to do and sink yourself into that and stop comparing with everybody else. You know why we compare? Because we lack appreciation. I'm going to go back to making some jokes. This is getting too intense. We lack appreciation because we don't appreciate what we have we're focused on what somebody else has I wish I wish I had that I wish I had that I wish I went there constantly comparing can I can I be honest with you about when we started our church now when we started this church it was when we moved here is me and my wife and we had two kids at the time now we have three and we're done right babe Pray for us. Pray for us, guys. There's a, dis there's a disagreement in our home. We need prayer. But when we first moved here, it was just us. Then, praise God, Isaiah and Angie came, and then now, as you can see, we have a church. Thank God, right? But we launched at the same time as another church. And there was a significant difference in the launches. <laughs> and, and they launched, and, and the, praise God, they got a great work where they're at. But they launched... And they just had all these people, all these ministers. I was like, oh, my gosh. And looked at us. I'm like, babe, <laughs> should we just go to their church? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I was constantly comparing what we were doing to what somebody else was doing. And what that was doing, it was robbing me of the, the special moments of the beginning 
what God was going to do. And the Lord constantly would tell me, stop comparing yourself to others. Stop comparing. I, 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 I struggle with that sometimes. Stop comparing yourself to that pastor and that preacher and that teacher. Stop comparing your church to that church. I'm doing a work in you. I'm doing a work at your church. And it's special. And it's good. And it's God. And he's doing a work in your life. And it may not be what he's doing in somebody else's life. But he's still working on you. And he's still called you. And you still have purpose. And you still have destiny. And there's still something good things about your life just because it doesn't look like somebody else's doesn't mean God's not working in you but comparison causes a lot of problems James 3.16 says where, for where envy and self-seeking exist confusion and every evil thing are there you know I, I say this often, I hate gossip. I don't like gossip. I don't like drama. Come on, I thought somebody would be with me on that one. I don't like drama. I don't like it. Yeah, zero, that's right. But you know, you know where go why gossip happens? Because of comparison. Because we're, we want to be like somebody else, so we feel like we need to tear them down so we can be lifted up. So what does the Bible say? It says, anywhere there is self-seeking, anywhere there is, there is um, what, it's covetousness, I think is what it says. Envy, that's, a, that's an easier word. Envy, there's a lot of problems there. He's speaking to the church. You've got to be careful of envy because where there's envy, there's self-seeking. And where there's envy and self-seeking, there's all kinds of evil. Because self-seeking is opposite of self-denial. The gospel is what? Deny yourself. And so when we become self-seeking, we become envious of others, and it causes problems. But can I tell you what the root of envy is? Pride. I'm going to tell you again, the root of envy is pride. Because I think, not you, this is me, all right, we're good. I'm talking about myself. I think that I deserve what they have. Because I think that I'm better than them, so I deserve more than they've got. Envy and comparison is based on pride. I want what they have because I deserve it more than them. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. That means that I want your life to be better than mine. That means when somebody gets the pay that you've been praying for, that you celebrate with them and you're not envious, you're not comparing, you're not upset, but you celebrate that God blessed them. 
I know this is good because we got like how, like we're kind of in it. We're like, I, I know I want to clap, but I also feel it too in me. Conviction is good, guys, okay? Conviction is a good thing. But this is the thing about pride is pride robs us of our gratitude. It robs us. It puts us in a place of constant comparison and constantly just wanting, to, wanting the next thing, wanting the, can I tell you, you're going to get the next thing and it's not going to satisfy you like you think it will. But pride will rob us of our gratitude. It robs us of our thankfulness. And listen, when we're not thankful, when we're not grateful, we're not worshiping. Because how can I worship God if I'm not grateful for what he's given me? Amen, Arthur. Amen. Listen, I'm comp- I love it. That little guy, man. He's growing so fast, dude. Gosh, he's growing so fast. But pride will rob us of that gratefulness. So what we need is a holy perspective. I need a holy perspective. God listen, I know that I'm comparing myself to them, God. I know that I got a problem with that. I know that I got a problem with, with wanting what other people have. But God, could you, could you help me by changing my perspective to where I can see what you're doing? God, would you give me this holy perspective, God, that I can look to you and not to the stuff around me? Jesus, can you, can you give me that holy perspective? God, where I'm, not, where I'm not putting myself down because I don't look like so-and-so and I don't talk like so-and-so. God, could you give me the holy perspective to see that I'm, I'm wonderfully made by your hands? God, could you give me the holy perspective to see that I'm called with a divine destiny and just because I'm not like them doesn't mean I'm not good enough, God? Doesn't mean I'm not called by you? God, could you give me... This holy perspective, God, that just because I don't get the house on earth, God, I'll get a mansion in heaven, God. Just because I don't have all the money on earth, I got riches stored in heaven, God. Would you, would you shift my perspective so that I can be grateful for what you've given me? Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. In other words, seek heavenly things. What are heavenly things? Heavenly things are those things which will last through eternity. So my perspective has to shift from counting all my blessings as physical things And just maybe, just maybe, I'm more blessed in heaven than I see on earth. Shift your perspective. When we shift our perspective, it creates this gratefulness within us. God, I'm thankful for what you've given me. God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in my life. 
God, I'm grateful for who you are. Because the reality is this, is, is we are just people, and God is God. I shouldn't be allowed in his presence. I shouldn't be on this stage with a microphone proclaiming the word of God. We shouldn't be given the gift of life that we've been given. But God is God and God is good. So the reality of the blessing when it hits us, how blessed we truly are, then it creates an attitude of worship. 2 Samuel 7, 20-21, I want to read this again. Now what more can David say to you? For Lord, your God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant known. To make your servant know them. David was a king. But when he stood in the presence of the Lord, he didn't call himself a king. He called himself a servant. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew what kind of life he lived. And so David was thankful because of this realization that was in his heart and his mind that he says, God, I'm just your servant. How could you, God, give me, a me as a man all these things when I'm just a servant? So what is the blessing that I'm talking about? The blessing is this. I'm just a man. I'm a sinful man. I make mistakes, a lot of mistakes. Can anybody relate with me on that one? I fail a lot. But can I tell you the blessing that I'm preaching, the blessing that I'm talking about, this blessing is that I'm just a man, but Christ is in me. The fullness of God dwells in me. I'm a temple of the living God. So this blessing that I have, this blessing that I'm carrying, and you are too, is the fact that you can enter into the presence of God. Right now, right where you're at, right at home, no matter what, Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Christ dwells in you. Can I, can I, can I tell you why we, we lose gratitude sometimes? Because we forget that Christ is in us. We are... Uh, we moved out of our, our first house that we bought here in Texas. And my wife and I were cleaning up, and we're just, you know, it was cool. Like, it was just, we didn't have the kids, huh? They were with Isaiah and Angie. And, and we're cleaning, and I'm, I'm cool, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to miss this house, whatever. It's our first house. And I'm taking the trash cans out, and uh, I just hear, like, a, you know, the, the clink of a baseball and a, a bat, right? I can't do it, but, you know, it's the metal one, not the wood one. So I hear it, and, like, it was so weird, but, like, all these, fl this flood of just, like, Memories. It was we were only there for like two and a half years, but but we got here when my, my son Liam was two, and he turned three because uh, we were right on the the border of his birthday, and and he's five years old now. He's in school. Like all these memories just started coming to my head, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the house he first learned how to catch a ball with his gloves. This is the, the house he first learned how to how to hit a hit a hit a baseball, right? And all these memories start flooding in, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like 
I'm not going to cry. Like, this is ridiculous. I'm by myself, and nobody's here. Like, this I started thinking, like, this is where my daughter really started talking. And, and, you know, she's still small. And then this is the house where Lucas was born. Like, Lucas wasn't even in the world technically when we moved here. And now he's walking and breaking things and going crazy. And, and all these memories just started flooding into my, into my head. And, and, and I started getting emotional. I'm like, God, what the heck is going on with me? God, you must be changing me because I'm getting too emotional too much. And all these things start happening, and, and, and I like my, you know, you know, when your eyes start to sweat, and you're like, what? And I, <laughs> oh, is it called tears? Oh, there it goes. I call it eye sweating. It sounds, you know, it's more manly, right? My eyes are sweating, and then I'm like crying. <laughs> and I started to get emotional, and, and, and God just started sharing. He started teaching me. He said, listen, son, don't. You had these two and a half years here, and a lot of good things happened. But you didn't cherish them enough. You didn't, you didn't hold on to them. You didn't realize how great it really was what you had and what was going on. Because when it was happening, it was just happening. And I'm afraid. My fear is this, is that as Christians, the idea that Christ is in me, will pass us by and we'll never even be grateful for what we've been given because we're so familiar with it. Because it's so, it's so common. The Holy Spirit, the, Holy, this, the living Spirit of God dwells with us and we make it familiar and we make it common and when we make that very thing, that treasure that we've talked about, the one thing that matters, when that becomes common, we become ungrateful for everything else we've been given. When that one thing, the presence of God in my life becomes so familiar that nothing else matters anymore anyway. God, forgive us. God, forgive us if we made your presence common. Forgive us if we become so familiar, God, with the idea that you dwell in us. That we become ungrateful for everything else that we have. Lord, help us. This is the blessing of God. It's not the house. It's not the money. It's not the job. It's not all the things that we count as blessings. The greatest blessing that we have is the presence of God. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like what? A man who finds a treasure in a field and sells everything he has so he can buy that field so that he can have that treasure. What is he saying? He's saying the kingdom of God is everything. And if it's not everything to you, then nothing else will hold its worth like it should. And we'll become ungrateful for the things that we have because we're ungrateful for the present. David, when he went, in the scripture, it says David went to the temple and sat before the Lord and he was grateful. Can I tell you something? We don't have to go to the temple to sit before the presence of God. We don't have to go to a church to stand in the presence of God. We can encounter him in our daily life. Listen, you, I'll pray with you and I'll pray for you and I'll stand with you. But you don't need me to pray to the Lord. You've got direct access to God. This is the blessing that I'm talking about is that we can enter into the presence of God every single day. 
Listen, this is why the world doesn't see the church because the church is hiding inside the church and we're not taking the presence of God home with us. We've made this blessing a Sunday blessing. And we've lifted up men and women of God, and, and they're wonderful men and women of God, but we've lifted up people that can get God to earth for us. Well, I've got to go to that service, and I've got to go to that church, and, I gotta, and, and there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but when that's your only access into the heavenly realm, when that's your only access into the presence, it's because you've forgotten that you have access to the direct presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. We forgot these things, and when we forget these things, we lose gratitude. Can I tell you, nothing can steal my gratitude because my gratitude is not based on circumstance. My gratitude is not based on what I have or the money that's in my bank. My gratitude is based on the fact that I can walk into the presence of God and that I can know him and that I can find him and that I can speak to him and that he changes me. This is my gratitude's foundation is the very presence of God that I am a temple of the living God. And he dwells in me. First Timothy 6. Verse 6 through 7 says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Godliness and contentment is great gain. Why? Because if godliness and contentment depend on environment or circumstance, then both will be unstable. If my godliness is based on my environment, then it will fall when my environment falls. If my contentment or my gratitude is based on my circumstance, then my gratitude will fail when my circumstance fails. But when my contentment and my godliness are linked together and are founded on the word of God, on the presence of God, on things that cannot change, then when circumstances change, my gratitude and my godliness does not because it's not based on things it's based on his presence, and his presence cannot be shaken. It cannot be broken, and it will not end. His presence is eternal. It's strong. It's powerful. And this is where our gratitude is based in, in his presence. I'm going to need a good church nap after today. I'm going to go right away. I'm going to put the kids somewhere. I'm ending here, so David and Jesse, if you guys want to come up. Is this blessing your life this morning? Is this helping anybody? Yeah. <sighs> I'm, I'm, so the, the title was Temples of Gratitude. Temples of Gratitude. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I can be his temple. I'm grateful that God would choose someone like me. With all my insecurities and failures and all my mistakes and the, my past and, my, and my, the things in my life that are not good, my hangups and, and just, you know, those things, you're like, I just wish I didn't struggle with that. I wish I wasn't like that. All those things, God still chose me to be his temple and he chose you too. 
I'm just grateful to be, in, to be his temple, to be able to access his presence, to be able to know him. David, David didn't deserve the, the, the presence of God. In fact, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, I encourage you to read it, verses 1 through 9, it, it tells the story of the first time David tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David. What happens is they mishandled the Ark. Or they dishonored the Ark. And so one of the guys grabs the Ark. Nobody was supposed to touch it. But he, it was falling and he tries to pick it up. He touches it with his hands and God strikes him dead. And David basically says, I can't take this ark with me. And he leaves it in another man's city. But then David gets another chance to carry the ark. And when he got that second chance to carry the ark, it says that, I, I, I don't know the exact distance, but every, every couple of uh, six paces, every six paces, he stops and he worships. He like went above and beyond to honor the Ark of the Covenant. And it comes into his city. And now we read this. Okay, ready? He didn't deserve it. But now we find this moment in Gen or 2 Samuel chapter 6. When this, the, the, the Ark of the Covenant is finally entering into the city of David. Verse 12. We're going to read verse 12 through 16. Then we're going to jump down to verse 20. It says, now it was told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went out, went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. This was David celebrating. He was celebrating what God was doing, that God would give him a second chance to enter in the presence of God. Now listen. Verse 16. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, Looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Then David, verse 20, then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. As one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David is dancing before the Lord. Why is he dancing? Because he had failed bringing the presence of God. He didn't deserve the presence of God. And now the presence of God is in the city of David. He's dancing and he's, he's going crazy. He's going nuts. He's just worshiping the Lord. And Michael's like, man, look at this guy. Look at this guy, this king. He looked, basically telling him, David, you look foolish out there. You embarrassed yourself in front of everybody. And David's response I know he says a lot, but this is response that I remember growing up. It's something that I've always thought about, I've always loved. I, I, I couldn't wait to preach a sermon with this response. He tells her, the woman who says, you look, like an, you look dumb for the way you're worshiping. You look foolish. I, I, I think of David going like through all, of, all that he's been through. Bathsheba, the mistakes he's made. The killing, the pride, the sheep, the lion, the bear, all that God has done in his life. 
And there's this moment he has the presence of God. And she says, you look foolish. And what does he say? No, 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 no. I will become even more undignified than this. Why? Because he didn't deserve the presence of God. But the presence of God was with him. When we were worshiping today, I don't want us to become a church that just shows up to church, you know, kind of sits through worship, okay, worship's done, and then gets through the sermon. No, when we come to church, we celebrate that I'm the temple of the living God, and I will worship him not based on my circumstance, but based on the fact that I can dwell with him, that I can be with God. Man, we forget that. Don't let it be familiar in your life. God, help us. Lord, help us to see the reality of this blessing, God, that you dwell in us. You know, I'm, I'm ending with this, so those of you guys that are hungry will be eating soon, I promise. I'm hungry too. Maybe some in and out later on today. We'll see. Yeah, I think so. But I was putting the sermon together. And I'm telling you, the fact that I'm crying so much, I'm like, God, you are changing me for sure. Because I was putting the sermon together. I worship music on like I normally do. And as I'm sitting in my office, putting things together, just writing ideas, I just felt the presence of God just, just like right in my office. And I had this like this, this feeling like I just want to lift my hands, but I'm like, well, I'm kind of I'm kind of busy right now. Like I'm trying to finish the sermon, and I just put my hands up, and I begin to cry because the reality of the message hit me that I can dwell with God, that He lives in me, sitting in His presence. You know what came out of my heart? Gratitude. Gratitude. Not because of everything that I have, but because of the one thing that I have. Because I have Jesus. It's gratitude. When we forget the one thing that matters, everything else loses its worth. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For more information on our church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX or check us out on our website, ReclaimChurchTX.com. Thank you for listening.